Amen. Thank you, worship team. You may be seated. It's my pleasure to have the opportunity to preach the Word of God this morning. Pastor is gone, as you all know, having some much-needed vacation. And I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about the story of Naaman for a portion of this time here together. And uh, I don't know if the kids have heard the story of Naaman before, <clears throat> but as they're turning there, I'll give you a little uh, heads up on it. Naaman is the is the general over the army of Aram. Now, that was not a Christian nation, so he was not a Christian general. He was the commander of the army. He was the, the head honcho. He was, he was in charge of everything. Uh, when it came to the army, he could he could have people come and go. He could order people to this and that. He was famous. He was powerful. Here's what the Bible says. Second Kings chapter five, verse one. Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. He had a disease. That's some of where we're going today. The title of my message is Still Movable. It's going to take a little bit for me to get to where you see how that connects, but I believe it will connect as we get there. But Naaman was the commander of the army of Aram. And in all of his greatness, he had a sickness. All of us, there's certain things that we can do and accomplish, but there's also certain things we have absolutely no control over. We don't know when we're going to die, and all of us are going to die someday. We're not promised that we'll be have gray hair when we die. We're not promised that we'll make it uh, out of high school when we die. We're not promised that we will make it out of grade school before we die. All of us are going to die someday. So there's things we can't control. And he couldn't control this. <clears throat> he was probably quite rich as the commander of the army. He, he had servants. We read about that. And uh, he, he was right next to the king. He was the general. He was everything that he'd want to be, but he couldn't stop his sickness. Now, leprosy, again, for the kids who probably don't know, but it's a disease that affects your skin. And you turn white and you get sores, and you get rashes, and in, in time, it can get so bad that parts of your body will get diseased and fall off. So a, a leper could have no hand because the leprosy destroyed their hand. Very, very terrible disease. It also spreads. So we read in the Bible that if you have leprosy, you can't even be with your family. You have to be away outside of the city all by yourself so all the sick lepers live together it's a horrible disease for the bible it's probably the worst disease the bible talks about and <clears throat> naaman had it well then it goes on to say <clears throat> that he'd evidently tried everything okay to get healed of his of his of his ailments you know and uh, more than likely he had washed in all of the lakes and all the rivers He'd scrubbed with all the soaps. <clears throat> He'd probably had all these ointments put on his body, all these medicines put on his body. <clears throat> they didn't serve God. They served false gods. So he had probably bowed before statues 
and asked these statues to heal him. He tried everything. And then this. It says in verse 2 that the raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. Israel is God's people. But this young girl, amongst many others, had been captured and she was a slave in the home of Naaman. And um, she said to her mistress, the wife of Naaman, said, if only my master, Naaman, would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So to give you more background, um, Israel, God's people, are ruled by Aram. They're called a, a vassal, which means they pay money just so they don't come in and fight them. But they're ruled. And along the way, there have been captives taken and slaves that go from God. God's people are slaves in this land, including this little girl. And she tells Naaman, there's a prophet, there's a God, my God, my prophet, the preacher, the pastor can pray for you and God will heal you. So now think about Naaman. Here he is, the commander of all the forces, and a little girl is telling him what he ought to do. And most people would not would not heed advice from someone like that. In fact, I noticed in in the studies that I was looking at, it said it's common for those who are wise in their own eyes to look with contempt upon the wisdom of others. Now, throughout this message, the front half, it seems like there's little points that are just for someone. Just for someone, and this is one of those. It's possible that you are so wise that you're not willing to listen to truth from someone beneath you or someone nearby you. And Naaman could have been that person. He could have told that young lady, uh, as, never mind, little girl, go back to sweeping the floor, do the dishes, take out the trash, feed the pigs. She was a slave. <clears throat> but he didn't because he... He had one more glimmer of hope. He had tried everything there was. And so he goes to the king. <laughs> it's funny, Mary. It's like Mary says, you're going to get preaching and forget to turn everything. If only my master would see the prophet. There we go. So, <laughs> so then the king wrote a letter to the king of Israel. And it said, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you can cure him of leprosy. So the king of Israel gets a letter from the king of the, of the, of the armies who are over them. And the king is saying, I'm sending my servant Naaman to be healed by your prophets. Now it's interesting that, um, the king of Israel panicked panicked. The king of Israel, he didn't know what to do. He actually gets upset. He starts pacing back and forth and he starts saying, what's going on here? If I don't heal Naaman, they're going to come kill us all. What am I supposed to do? I can't heal Naaman. I can't do anything for Naaman. What? Uh, this is a trap. They're doing this on purpose because they're, they're doing this so that they have a reason to kill us. They are, and he's just panicking. 
Well, that's another one of these little thoughts. We often create a great deal of uneasiness by misinterpreting the words and actions of others and applying meaning that doesn't really, isn't really there. We're in an email generation, and it happens a lot, where you panic because of an email, a text, a piece of a word, piece of thought, and we get all worked up, and the person who said it may not have even meant it that way. Or maybe they were having a bad moment and said something they didn't mean to say. But we can get so worked up over something that somebody else, the king of our Aram, was asking a favor. There was no intent. It's also interesting to know that the king of Israel didn't even know there was a powerful God. Even though he was the head of God's people, he wasn't one of God's people. You can go to church and really not serve God. You can say you're a Christian and not go to church and, and not be serving God. The name means nothing. He had the name of the king of Israel, the king of Christians, and he was not one. He had no faith in Jehovah. He didn't even know to call on Jehovah. It actually was Elijah who had to hear about it through second hand, who comes to the king and says, what are you worried about? Send them to me. So we can oftentimes slide. It's easy to slide in our faith and move away from the person who we need to move close to. That's what happened to the king. So Naaman and Elisha. Naaman had to struggle back and forth with his pride. He could have had enough pride that he wouldn't listen to the little girl, but he listened. But he could have then said to the king of Aram, send messengers to capture the prophet and bring him to me so he can heal me. Could have. He could have just taken his army. Could have. He could have wrote a letter to the king of Israel and said, bring the prophet to me. But he didn't. Instead, he went there himself. So there was humility there. I'm sure that when he was prayed for in his own nation and when he was brought before the prophets in his own nation, there was all kinds of circumstance. There was probably incense, blowing of horns. Naaman is here to be healed. Bow before the, you know, the statue and uh, all the, pro- you know, all of this stuff and all of- he was used to that. And then he gets to, he gets to Elisha and Elisha says, he doesn't even come out. He sends a message and says, go wash in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be healed. And you know the story. Naaman says, what is that all about? He was expecting some pomp and circumstance. And all God wanted to show him was a little bit of obedience is all I'm asking for. Now, the Jordan is known as Muddy River Jordan. And mud on on leprosy sores is a bad thing. You don't clean in muddy river. So there was a reason why Naaman would be upset. But as you know the story, Naaman's servants came to him and said, if he'd asked you to run to the top of the mountain and bow before his, you'd have done that. But if he asked you to do something simple, he would do that. 
He probably can't understand it because in their land, their, their rivers are clean and pure. In fact, their main river is called the, um, where's it at here? The main river is called the Golden Stream. So it must be so clear when the sun's shining on it that it looks like gold. And he's washed in that river before. And now the prophet's saying wash in the Jordan River? Doesn't make sense to him. Sometimes God's instructions don't make sense to us. Okay? But it's interesting because his own people talked him into doing it. And so he goes... And it's interesting that he said, the Bible says he dipped himself in the Jordan River. His instructions from God were to wash himself in the Jordan River. His faith was so slight. (laughs) He didn't sit there and rub the muddy water all over his body. He got in there and went, fine, boom, boom, boom. But that was enough faith for God. Because when he got up out of the water... His body was like a newborn baby, a young baby boy, okay? And it was a miracle. The God of Israel is the true God. Our God is the true God. He's a powerful God. And he proved it to Naaman that day. In fact, the Bible says that Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Now, it's interesting because here's where I get to the title. The second half of this message, second part of this message. Still movable. He says, now I know that there's no God in all the world except in Israel. He's going to go back to a country that doesn't believe in God, and everywhere he goes, everyone who knows he used to have leprosy is going to hear the story. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to hear the story of their general healed by the power of Jehovah God of the Israel. Israel. The Bible doesn't tell us how many Thousands or hundreds of thousands of people may have turned to Jehovah because of this miracle. The king of Israel, who doesn't even know that God is alive and well and can do powerful things, the king of Israel is going to hear. Because remember, he's thinking, I'm in trouble. Because if he doesn't get healed, they're going to kill us. And then he's going to get the reward. The what? He got healed? What? Tell me again. He got healed? And all of a sudden, the king of Israel is going to be like, whoa, I want to see Elisha. I can see that happening. This miracle impacted two nations. Now, here's my question I want to ask you. Why did this miracle occur? Was it because Elisha was a man of God? Well, yeah, but it could have been any prophet. Was it because of the king of Israel? (laughs) Absolutely not. Was it because of the faith of Naaman? Absolutely not. 
He was just doing what his servants told him, you better do. You came all this way, so you might as well dip and be gone, you know. It was a little girl. Gary, can you send one of the young ladies up here that can help me? How about that one in the jean jacket over there? Come on up here a second. It was because of a little girl. What's your name? Quinn. Quinn. Imagine that an army came to this town and took you from your parents and took you far, far away. You don't have phones. You don't have TVs. No internet. You haven't seen your parents. You don't know if your parents are alive. That'd be pretty tough. You're just this big young gal, it says. Probably seven, eight, nine, or ten. How old are you? Eight. Right. This is what it was right here. And she has, she's a slave. Every day, no going to school, no toys, no playing. You're feeding the pigs, you're feeding the goats, sweeping the house, you're doing the dishes. It's not a very fun life, is it? No. But the but the general, the man in charge, the man at the house, he's sick. And God says to you, I can heal him. But you don't know if you should tell him that or not. Because you don't know what he's going to do. He's big. He's handsome. I'm big. I'm big. You, she's, you know, she's probably afraid. But she knows that there's a God who can heal him. She hasn't forgotten that there's a God. And she's still movable. She still hears God's spirit speaking to her. And so she doesn't go to him. She goes to his wife. Says the mistress or the ma'am of the house. And she says to the ma'am, hey, God can heal him. There's a pastor in, we're back in my hometown. He's bald. His name is Moran, the man. (laughs) And he can heal him if he goes there. And it was because of the faith of a slave girl who had every reason to be broken, every reason to be sad, every reason to suffer, but she was still movable enough to make a miracle happen because of her willing to speak out. Two entire nations heard about a great miracle. Because she was still movable. No matter what happens in this life, God's still with you. And if you listen, he will give you instructions on how he wants you to live your life. He will tell you, go sit with that person right over there. They need a friend. He will tell you, that little girl, look at her shoes. Do you have an extra pair that she could wear? 
when you come to school the next day in your head, you're bringing a parachute. Because God spoke to your spirit. You're still movable. You're still hearing the voice of God. Give my volunteer a big hand for helping me. You can head back to your seats. So throughout Scripture, we see people who are either movable or not movable. Jonah, you know the story. He didn't want to go. He wasn't afraid to get on the ship. He was, or even afraid to get in the dumped overboard. He did not want the Ninevites to come to Jesus. I don't know what they did to him to make him so angry. But it's easy for us to get angry and stop sharing the gospel. We want to receive anger and give anger back. And God was trying to teach Jonah and all of us that sometimes we have to turn the other cheek and we have to give grace and we have to give back the gospel of Jesus even when we're upset, even when we're angry, even when things don't go our way. We still have to be movable. Jonah was not. He went because God forced him to. They threw him overboard. God sent another mode of transportation. It was called a whale. Interesting that the whale spit him out on dry ground and he was close enough to walk. You ever, you ever figured that part out? He had to get on a boat to get there, but when he got spit out, he was close enough to walk. And he did what he was supposed to do. He preached the gospel. The Ninevites, they repented and Jonah was mad. I knew you were going to do that. And God's trying to teach all of us. He loves those people. The people at work who didn't treat you right, he still loves those people. He cares about them. Those friends you have, they're no longer your friends because of something they did. He still loves those people. Those relatives, he still loves those people. Well, then there's Simon. Luke chapter 2, verse 27. Simeon, I should say. The Bible says, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. Here's this elderly gentleman. Elderly. At least my age. <laughs> but when I see that, I'm, I'm thinking he's, he's 95, okay? Because <laughs> I'm hoping he's not 63 like I am, and the Bible calls him elderly. Okay, I'm, I'm just guessing. He's 95. Okay, that makes me feel better. We don't know how old he is. But all his life he's been waiting because God told him, you will see the Messiah. And now he's really, really old. And had he not heard the voice of God, he would have missed it. He would have missed this great moment God had destined him for. But the Bible says he was moved by the Spirit. I don't know if he woke up and it was like, boing, get dressed, brush your teeth. Blow dry your hair. Go to the temple. Uh, well, it's not it's not the first of the month. You know, God speaks to him. The scripture is saying that he wouldn't have been in the courts had God not done it and he not heard God's voice. It's important for each of us to remain able to be movable, to hear his presence, to hear his spirit. We are moved by the spirit when God asks us to help someone. We're moved by the Spirit when God asks us to give an offering to a missionary. 
we might be there and open up our wallet and reach down for that five. And God says, no, the big one. And you say, the 20? My wife just gave me that 20. (laughs) Or you're writing out a check and God says, one more zero. And you're like, "What, what? Moved by the Spirit. We're moved by the Spirit when we serve our church. When we help out with the kids, the teenagers, when we serve, God speaks to all of us. It's easy to ignore his voice, to say that's for someone else. God's not speaking to me. I have a preacher I know who who's, who I don't have time to go through what he does, but he, he takes 20 minutes and he goes through every job in the church and the person's response of why they can't do that one. You should work in the nursery. Oh, Lord, you know, this crying of babies gets me in the ear. My left ear especially can't do that. Well, then you should work in the preschool department. Oh, bending over. I could never bend over. And then, you know, grade school department. Oh, those grade schoolers. Questions, 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 questions. We'll do the teenagers. Oh, their attitude just gets to me, you know. And they work it all the way up to the senior citizens, and they never find a job they can do. And it's really kind of funny. Not not listening to the Spirit. God will speak to us, and he, he has a job for us. He has ministry for us. We are moved to the Spirit when we forgive someone, even though they haven't asked us to forgive them. We're moved by the Spirit when we're out in the business community and someone has a need and we meet it. We're moved by the Spirit when we share our faith, when we show compassion, and when we act. The last story, which really proves this so well, is the Good Samaritan story. Moved by the Spirit. Think of that story. There were those who were moved, and there were those who were not moved. And it's interesting that both of them made Scripture. Both of them are in Scripture. I'm sure glad my mistakes aren't in Scripture. For every person in the history of the world to read that me, the Levite, walked by and didn't help. They were both religious people that walked by. They should have been godly people, not just religious people. But, of course, the Good Samaritan was still movable, right? This is for the kids. Kids, uh, God wants to use us in many ways, like this rope. He wants to use us in all kinds of ways. As long as we are, you know, we're flexible, we, we re- pliable. These are different big terms that you may understand, but God wants to use us, okay? But, you know, we can grit our teeth and we can decide, no way. I am not going to do, I, we can actually decide that we are not going to do what God asks us to do. We can't. Well, I am not going to go there. I am not going to serve that. That's my less $10 pill. I am not going to put that in the offer. I can't help. God wants to use us. He wants to use us. So the choice kind of becomes our, are we going to be movable so that God basically calls us and we're available? Or to become the kind of person that, um, I don't know how it happens. It's like all of a sudden we become so stiff 
that uh, that we can't be used by God. So the question kind of becomes, are you going to be movable or immovable? We want you to be movable. The God's spirit would hear our spirit. I'm going to ask the musicians to come if they would. This covers a lot of territory. It's not one specific thing. But today I want you to I want you to con- talk to the Lord and ask him Are there areas in my life where I've become immovable? In my younger years would have I helped that person, that place? Would I have pitched in? Would I have given that money? Would I have done that and now it's someone else's turn? Can he call you in an instant? You're having having lunch at the restaurant. Can God whisper in your ear and say, look at that person, that table over there. And you notice they're like digging in their purse and they're pulling out quarters and pennies and dollars. And you can tell they're trying to get enough money to pay their bill. And God says, take care of that bill for them. Or you're at Aldi's and the person in front of you is trying to decide what they're putting back because the total's now $34 and it's obvious they only have 30 Are you still movable? Can God call upon you to serve this church, to bless our kids, our teenagers, to bless our missionaries, to be used out there to bring people to Jesus Christ? Are we still movable? That's what he's asked us to do. Bow your heads, close your eyes if you would. Earlier I gave an opportunity for people to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I didn't plan on that at that moment, but I did. But if you're here and you prayed that prayer, I'd like to know because I'd like to talk to you afterwards. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand so I... I will seek you out afterwards. Or if you want to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you need to raise your hand and I will talk to you after the service. Okay. So for those of us that are here, take a couple moments now and ask God, God, be honest with me. Am I still movable? Do I still hear your voice? If you're like me, he will bring to your mind little areas that sneak in. And you just have to say, I'm sorry. And teach me what I need to know. But beg him. Beg him right now that you'll be like the servant girl and not like the king. That you'll be like the servant girl that no matter what happens, no matter what disappointments you have, you will do all you can to talk about the great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And you won't become a a churchgoer. 
a religious person, but not a witness. Father, I pray right now. I pray right now that you will touch our lives, that you will change our lives. That you will speak to us. That, Lord, you will show us throughout this week that you will whisper new assignments in our ear. That, Lord, we'll be surprised when we hear them. And it'll be a, a shock to us for just a moment. And then a smile will come on our face and we'll realize God's moving me. You might be baking a baking some cupcakes and bringing them to someone because God whispered in your ear, cupcakes would be nice. It's the kind of guy we God we serve. I pray that you will teach us those things, that you will use us, that, Lord, we will tell people about you. We will bring them to the house of God, that, Lord, they will have an opportunity to know you like we do. We offer our lives to you, God, as living sacrifices. We ask this in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand and ask the worship team to lead us in a song or two. As here, we're ha- as we close out today, let's just sing praises to God and uh, love on Him. It's been a blessing to be with you today. This is my church. It's Oak Grove.